We're talking big oil earnings on this energy edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. I am Sean O'Reilly, joining you here from beautiful and really hot Alexandria, Virginia. I am joined today. Pretty sticky, too, Pretty sticky. It's just all, we're staying indoors all day around. Uh, To my left here is Tyler Crow. To my right is Taylor Muckerman. How you guys doing? Very well. How are you? Pretty hot and sticky. We're we're on video now, so I should do that. Yeah, we can be animated, finally. See? Yeah. It makes sense. Lots lots of hand (laughs) gestures. Yeah. I'll get up and do jumping jacks later, maybe. Okay. Halfway through the show. Kind of a seventh inning stretch kind of thing. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, So uh, today we're talking about the earnings results of a few oil majors, followed by a short and long-term implications of cost-cutting by those oil majors. And uh, before we go, we will hopefully be answering a few listener questions. So let's get right into it. Um, Interesting earnings as of late out of Total SA. They are French, as I recall, Tyler. Very, very French. Very French. Very French. As opposed to not quite as French, other kind of like yeah. yeah, I don't know. As opposed to like Quebec, yeah, that's like, like kind, of, kind French, of French, but not but quite is, as this French. Is really this French. is like it's really actually French, total French. If you're really going for the nice French, uh, <sighs> I took I took French in high school, so now I feel bad. Anyway, um, they actually reported a pretty decent profit, two point nine seven billion, down uh, just a little bit from the same quarter last year, where they earned three point one billion dollars. Um, this isn't the first time that we've seen an integrated oil major benefit from low, current low oil prices because of their refining operations. Um, how does this compare to BP, Exxon? Were you guys impressed? What did you guys think? Well, um, I haven't seen Exxon report yet because they report tomorrow. So we'll see how that compares there. Um, the one thing that I saw in Total's earnings that was quite possibly the most impressive thing was its production growth. Um, was it 13%? 12% me. year yeah, over year. And when you look at a company the size of Total to grow 12% and to grow it in profitable production because they actually – I think it was upstream earnings only declined about 50% compared to like BP, where we're looking at 80, 90% declines in upstream earnings. Same as Shell, yeah. Yeah. We're bringing on profitable production. And to bring on that much that is profitable, that is huge. And then, you know, it's growing downstream earnings five times compared to last year. It was was just a, a great quarter for them and kind of showed the implications of several seeds they planted many years ago with you know new refineries in Saudi Arabia cost cutting across Europe where it had weaker refining operations yeah, so this actually served as a big contrast for me with uh, BP uh, across the, the English Channel there over in England. Uh, they reported a gap loss of $6.3 billion, but that was mostly due to Deepwater Horizon settlements and, of course, a little bit of lower oil prices. Had they not been doing that, would they have just performed just as well? Like, What did you think? I don't think they would have performed just as well. It seems like they've got their head focused in too many different directions, still trying to recover from that. I mean, they've, they've sold off most of their downstream operations, so they are pretty much a pure producer. But to watch them and uh, Shell lose 80% on the EMP side of the business. Not not so when good. When oil was only down, I mean, 50 to 60%. Yeah. Right. Like, what's going on there? They that's didn't a, have as good that's a, a big production. question I would have. They didn't have, have as, as good production growth either. As, as right. Not even close. No, I don't yeah. think anybody is ever going to make – 12% growth in the when big oil space big. when you're that big. Yeah. To do that for Total was absolutely phenomenal. Did you guys catch where it was? Uh, what region? No, a little bit all over the place. They kind of they had several deep water projects. I think there was one in Russia, one uh, deep shore off, off of Angola. Just kind of 
not like one giant project. It was like the culmination of like three or four projects all coming online within the past 12 months. Um, the funny thing was, as you were mentioning about uh, Royal Dutch Shell being weaker as well, uh, with their earnings re- release, they just announced that they're going to be doing somewhere between $50 billion worth of asset sales because Jeez. of uh, the recent downturn in oil. That's that's walking which, around money. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> which makes Fast it kind stack. of funny because, you know, they just bought BG for yeah. about $50 billion. Whoa. So it, it almost looks like they just basically turned this entire thing into a chop shop where they yeah. took the two together, plucked out the parts that they really, really wanted, and now they're going to jettison a whole bunch of it afterwards. Because they, they just had great uh, earnings beat, but then they announced like these asset sales, and they're laying off Layoffs, 6,500 yeah. people and all this stuff. And we it's also like... need to be very careful when we say that a company has an earnings beat. When yeah. you have oil down this low, I mean, it, they beat the by, hurdle uh, was not very high. I yeah. mean, we talked about it on Market Fuller a couple weeks ago. How the expectations for energy were worse than they've been in right. a long time. A because it's tough comps. B just because it's um, you know a terrible time for oil right now. But I don't think there's any excuse. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so moving on from the the oil majors to something a little bit smaller, but uh, big news out of uh, one of the bigger MLPs, Lynn Energy. They announced earnings, and uh, Lin, uh, MLPs are famous for paying out dividends, and they're cutting theirs completely. Um, yeah. Any thoughts? I am very, very ambivalent about this. Um, You're not saying meh, are you? No, I'm not saying meh. Because right. this is this is a big deal for this company. Right. Um, you know, part of owning a master limited partnership as a as a unit holder is you're looking for a cash payment, and if you're not getting one, it kind of voids the point of owning this one in the first place. Especially for somebody who maybe um, a little later in their investing, I guess you could say, period. You know, somebody looking either coming to retirement or in retirement looking for that you know income stream this kind of invalidates the investment thesis for Lynn energy perhaps somebody like myself I am a shareholder I'm a, a, in a little bit different position because I look at this as say yeah this really stinks you know I'm not getting a dividend anymore or distribution excuse me but the the, the one shining thing that I, I keep coming back to with this company is that it is actually a cash flow positive company when you in terms of generating cash factoring from its after hedges, it, of course. after its yeah factoring in hedges of course after its uh, capital expenditures it's a very good operator in that sense so by taking this distribution away um, it just mentioned it bought back about six six hundred million dollars worth of its debt this past quarter at a, at a 30, 35% yeah. discount because people are kind of betting against their bonds yeah, right now nervous, yeah. so it actually looks like you know maybe they're going to use this time to clean up their financial statements, and it, if they can get that to work, you know, it, that from from a long term perspective, that actually makes a lot of sense. Got it. Yeah, I was pretty shocked. I mean, and then you think they're going to have to? There's going to be some selling because I mean, obviously, some selling. It's down like seventeen percent, but it's like um, different mutual funds that have it in the MOP space. I think dividend mutual funds probably have to trim their holdings to match uh, to get that out of there. But for me. Sure. I mean, as a long-term shareholder, if a company is willing to cut a dividend and has a good blueprint in front of it to kind of figure out what it's going to do with that savings, I'm all for it because dividends are never guaranteed. I'd rather the business, you know, stay stay liquid than get my dividend until the company goes bankrupt or has to go private. So I, I think it's it's a worthwhile cause as long as they are able to pay down that debt, maybe buy back some stock at these low prices and. Uh, 
they grow by acquisition, so hopefully they can put some of that cash towards an, uh, a new line of business as well. Right. Okay. So, uh, taking a little step outside the energy, the oil space and everything, uh, last company I want to talk about in terms of earnings was uh, everyone's favorite Elon Musk-sponsored enterprise, SolarCity. <laughs> um, they actually had great uh, revenue growth, 67% year over year, but the bottom line, that did not help the bottom line at all. They actually lost $1.61 per share compared yeah. to $0.96 cents last year. Is this going to be one of those companies that uh, you guys probably, you know, you, you probably know what I'm talking about, like that grows but continues to lose more and more money? Like, we're going to make it up on volume even though you lose like a couple of bucks per unit or something? Yeah, it's not done yet. They said that, right. they, said that they lost this year or this quarter. Um, is going to look even worse in the coming quarters. Um, their marketing and, and their expenses are a lot higher, so margins are, have crimped down a little bit. But they're growing. They're starting small business um, solar panels that they just announced a couple of days ago. Their business is growing at record pace, quarter over quarter. Um, so you know you could think of a company. I'm not going to compare it to Amazon because that's a pretty lofty goal as right. a, as a shareholder or a company in general. Um, but they are pouring their money back into the business at a record clip, and uh, they're they're growing vertically and horizontally in terms of integration. So, I, I mean, I'm will I'm a shareholder. I'm willing to wait out a f- few more years of losses as long as they can continue to grow. I mean, record installations, record backlog. It just, I mean, the top line, the top of the funnel looks great. Okay, awesome. Any insights, Tyler? I mean, the the one thing that you can keep drawing to that is an encouraging sign even in this is the fact that its cost per watt is still being managed quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, they saw a slight uptick this past quarter in terms of sale be- sales because, like we were saying, sales are just growing that fast. I mean, they're trying to build an immense amount of infrastructure very, very fast. Uh, and to do that, it's going to take you know more sales staff, more installation staff. That actually, if anything, is my one concern with this company is kind of the law of large numbers. You know, you started two or three years ago where they were going from installing maybe twenty to going from twenty to forty uh, megawatts per quarter in terms of development, and now we're going from you know one hundred and thirty to one hundred and eighty uh, megawatts deployed. And if you look at their guidance. Basically, they're going to have to double what they've done in this past in the in the first half of the year. So we're looking at a huge ramp up, and eventually, that law of large numbers probably is going to catch up to the company. And that's my one concern: is that they're not going to be able to, you know, staff themselves quick enough and get enough people on board to you know cover the demand that they actually have for their new for their. Uh, happened, it's uh, funny on all their press releases they say we are hiring on every single press release, and they have a link to their jobs page. So That's got to be a good sign. Yeah, I mean, the latest one was the one that announced that they're going to do the small business solar systems, and it said at the bottom, yeah, hiring, if you want click another, here. Yeah, another encouraging sign. Megawatts booked, not stuff that they actually installed, but megawatts booked was actually even greater than what was installed this quarter. Mm-hmm. So I think it was almost double. It was like 300-something megawatts of total booked wow. uh, installations. They're okay. looking at close to a gigawatt this year of, wow. insta- of installed solar power. We could uh, we could power up a uh, a Delorean with a time I machine. I think so. Into it soon. What was it? One point one point twenty one gigawatts. <laughs> you guys are better memories now, than I do. Now we just got to get that house up to eighty eight miles an hour. <laughs> we're, we're, going, we're going back to the future, and then we'll go to the future, and hopefully the Cubs will win the World Series. Um, nope. So uh, yeah, no, never. No. 
Um, so before we move on, I wanted to make our listeners aware of a very special offer for all of our industry-focused listeners. If you found this discussion informative and you're looking for more foolish stock ideas, Stock Advisor may be the service for you. It is our flagship newsletter, started more than 10 years ago by Motley Fool co-founders Tom and David Gardner. We're offering the lowest price out there for our industry-focused listeners. It is a $129 for a two-year subscription to Stock Advisor. You'll get two stock recommendations every single month with insight from a team of analysts. Just go to focus.fool.com to take advantage of this deal. Once again, that is focus.fool.com. And uh, so moving on, we're talking about the short and long-term implications of cost-cutting by oil and gas majors. Um, I don't think I'm stretching anything by saying that the oil majors that we're talking about are some of the biggest industrial enterprises on planet Earth. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. enormous. And they're talking about cutting their budgets 50%. Um, where does this leave us in the short term? Because everybody's talking about the oil glut and all this stuff. And uh, where does it leave us in five years? Because I don't see the world needing less oil. Yeah, it's not going to need less oil. And that's the big worry from a lot of people. Even OPEC is saying in the next 10, 20 years, because of this, we're going to be in a world of hurt. And you're going to see oil prices come right back to where they were, even maybe even higher. Um, you, look at, you look at producers, they are dependent on future production. So when I look at them cost-cutting this much, that's a pretty worrisome sign as an investor. Um, but for some of the energy services companies, cost-cutting, I think that's going to allow them to come out of this even stronger because they're going to be lean and mean, and they don't have to go out and, and find new fields. That's that's the energy producer's job. But when they come out of this, like a Halliburton, Schlumberger, all these companies talking about cutting employees, saying that cost-cutting was the reason why they beat estimates and why they're still doing so well during this downturn. Um, they're not selling machines. They're just letting go of a few employees that, that maybe aren't going to be needed over the next year or so. But hiring is a lot easier than going out and finding oil. Right. So I'm, I'm confident that they'll be able to hire back some of these employees. Um, unlike an Exxon or a Shell or somebody, just throwing names out there that are big producers that aren't going to be looking for oil for the next year or so. And, you know, that takes time. Yeah, one of the thing, uh, one of the I guess you could say earnings uh, conference calls that I really like to listen in on uh, when you know discussing a lot of this stuff is uh, Core Labs, Core Labo- uh, Laboratories. They uh, their CEO actually had some really interesting comments on this, and because so much of what they do, you know, they have contracts with the largest oil and gas producer in the world, Saudi Aramco, all the way down to the really small independent ones that we have in the United States. So they have a very you know, they talk to all encompassing. Yeah, they mom and pop shops yeah. with one yeah. or two wells, even you know. Yeah. yeah. So you know what? Some of the things that he was saying on their call, David Demsher is their CEO. He was one of the biggest things he said was a lot of these budgets that we're seeing today, we're seeing the cuts. But what he is more focused on isn't just necessarily the cuts, but the shifts in how that spending is actually being proportioned out. Uh, a, a lot of these companies are going away from doing the exploratory capital spending right now and just kind of focusing all their efforts on development saying let's get these things online so we're not spending and lower any, the cost any while we're doing money. it right yeah lower our co- you know cost of capital that we have to, and just get these things pumping and generating some sort of cash flow for us even if it's marginal because oil prices are lower now this kind of has some larger implications if we look further down the road if you're you know somebody like a a BP or something like that, and you're really cutting back today on your exploratory budget. What's going to happen seven, eight, nine years from now when you know fields that are discovered today are going to be on your 
are kind of that's when they're on the clock for when they should be coming online. Right. It's, and it's they're bad. not growing production now as we speak. Yeah. What's gonna What's gonna happen when they don't have anything in the pipeline? Yeah. When they're not when the reserve replacement ratio is just plummeting. Yeah. Everything for them always looks like a giant funnel. At the up at the exploratory level, you have all these projects up in the air, and then you know three or four years later, they've kind of designed them, you know, figured out how to implement, and then it gets down to the construction procurement. You get even a smaller list of com- of projects going to be, you know, profitable. So if you're cutting that, you know, that section of the pyramid down smaller, the, the actual results that you're going to get in mm-hmm. that ten year time horizon is going to be very short. It's the exact opposite of what Solar City is doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, if you're a lawyer listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Again, that is industryfocus at fool.com. And as always, people in this program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. Uh, so before we leave, I wanted to uh, hand off a couple of uh, listener questions that were emailed to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little while, I'm sure they'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Uh, Richard uh, wrote in and said, I'm a petroleum engineer, and I like to follow energy stocks as well as world oil headlines. I'm a big fan of your energy podcast, but unfortunately, it is only weekly. What are the three top places to follow oil and gas news on the Internet? The Platts Oilgram newsletter, for example, is incredible, but it's $3,000 a year. And uh, I'd rather not you know, fork over $3,000. Um, what do you guys use to follow industry news, basically? Um, just a quick news aggregator is fuelfix.com. It's like, I think it's part of the Houston Chronicle. So it's down there in the heartland of oil and gas in our country. Um, you can go there and it, it just kind of, kind of like a Huffington Post for energy, um, energy articles. Um, it's just the news side of things. If you want data, EIA.gov is... Uh, easy turn to for me. Yeah, it's free as well. Uh, it's one, free, yep. In terms of a news aggregator I really like as well is um, uh, RigZone.com. Yep, rig yeah. It's a really good one. They also have a whole lot of instructions. Was that made in the last few years? That sounds very... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been around for it's a while. It's been around for a while. <laughs> yeah. And uh, one of the other great things about it is there's a lot of how-tos and like in, you know kind of instructionary, what is you know this piece of rig equipment and things like that. So it, it gives you an idea, not just of the news, but also gives you a better understanding of the entire industry and mm-hmm. How things work, and um, you know, EIA has always been a really big one for me as well. You know, aside from the generic, you know, what would you, press releases from the company. So yes. I mean, why not just get the news from the straight from the horse's mouth? Awesome. And uh, last one. Um, this is related to Lynn Energy, which of course we talked about earlier. Um, they obviously just cut their dividend and. Uh, gentleman wrote in named Nick Blackman, uh, do you guys think MLPs like Lynn Energy will be a default risk in the near future? I see no way that they keep their already reduced dividend intact. He was right. And as their hedging becomes more of an issue next year, because as we know, I think uh, Lynn's hedge about 60% next year compared to like 90% this year. Um, they have $10 billion in debt and inability to make acquisitions uh, with equity due to their uh, reduced share price. What are your thoughts? Are they a default risk? Um, I'll default to the shareholder. <laughs> as the as the shareholder here, I would say because they have good operations, they are able to generate cash from their operations. And since they have actually suspended their dividend, it does give them an opportunity to kind of whittle down that debt a little bit. So I'm not completely sold on it either way right now. I right. could, you know, like you said, the hedging thing is a really big question. What happens within the 12, 18 months in terms of oil prices? Are they okay if, do they at least break even on a cash basis with oil at 50 or 60? Uh, that's not in their uh, 
and, and they're reporting. So okay. it's really hard. I I haven't been out to their wells recently to tell you. <laughs> okay. All right, so we need to book you a plane flight then. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you guys want to fly me out to Oklahoma <laughs> Uber, and yeah. I can go okay. take a tour. We'll, we'll wait till the flying. summer's over. All right, cool. Well, uh, Tyler, Taylor, thanks for uh, joining us. Thanks for listening, everybody, and full on. Full on.